After a down year, Kyle Pitts can rebound with improved circumstances in 2023. We're going to talk about how Parker Hesse was the key to unlocking the Falcons running game, Michael Pruitt's unicorn status, and if the Falcons should add even more talent to their tight end room this offseason. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, and of course, the most humble host that has ever existed on this planet Earth. And of course, I'm hosting this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by the Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, then this is the game definitely for you. Just download the game by visiting ultimate-gm.com or look it up in the app stores. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, in all caps, in the game shop. So, guys, we thank you for making Locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. Of course, it's free and available Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to YouTube. Get us over 5,000, guys. We're working our way there. Please subscribe. Get us over 5,000, and you will get the video version of the podcast tonight before the audio drops. Make sure you check out Locked on Falcons as part of Locked on Sports Atlanta on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Just download the Locked on Sports Atlanta app, and you'll get Locked on Falcons, Locked on Braves, Locked on Bulldogs, so many more Locked on Sports Atlanta shows on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So, guys, we're continuing our year-end positional reviews, talking about the tight end position uh, this week. And, um, you know, the last couple of episodes that we've broken down the quarterbacks, running backs and, and wide receivers, you know, we sort of started out things looking at some stats, right? You know, Desmond Ritter's third down efficiency that indicated that he was outshining not only Marcus Mariota, but off to a potentially better start in his NFL career than Matt Ryan was looking at the first four games of him. Uh, Tyler Algier's big second half improvement, Drake London stepping up in Kyle Pitts' absence after his injury uh, to be one of the top receivers in the league. Unfortunately, I don't have any stats for you today that's going to show you that Kyle Pitts, you know, was secretly good in 2022, right? You know, I do have some interesting stats that we will share to talk that kind of summarize, you know, Kyle Pitts season, but nothing that's going to be like, yeah, well, this stat shows that he actually was good. No, like the numbers kind of tell you what it was. But, you know, that being said, I still think Kyle Pitts is a very high level player with enormous talent to be one of the best receivers in the business. And I think the fact that it did not live up to those expectations this season had more less to do with Kyle Pitts himself and more to do with the circumstances around him. And I think the Falcons have to work towards improving those circumstances. And those are mostly involve, you know, question marks about the play calling and certainly question marks about the, the quarterback play this year. And Marcus Mariota uh, and his lacking rapport with, with Kyle Pitts is going to be an easy scapegoat for a lot of people. And certainly when, you know, as we fast forward the clock six months from now and we're previewing these various positions going into the summer and and talking about what can be for this team, you know, I think a lot of our optimism will certainly be attached to the idea and the hope that we'll get improved play from Kyle Pitts because we're going to get improved play from the quarterback position in 2023. But speaking on the play calling, 
you rewind the clock, you know, a year ago when we broke down the tight end positions uh, and talked a little bit about, you know, why despite a historic season that Kyle Pitts feel like he, you know, left some meat on the bones and a lot of that seemed to be owed to uh, Kyle Pitts's lack of impact in the red zone that continued to be an issue in 2023. But then a year ago, we blamed a lot of that on, you know, Kyle Pitts not necessarily winning in contested cash situations to the degree that he, he we needed him to. And also because Arthur Smith's play calling in the red zone was very, very basic and limited and basically was just dialing up lops. And, you know, we want, you know, fast forward the clock, we didn't necessarily see, you know, significant growth from Kyle Pitts in terms of contested catch. But again, I think that's just because he didn't get enough opportunities with the ball being thrown his way, as well as, um, you know, I do think we did see improvement from Arthur Smith in terms of his red zone play calling. So that to me uh, was mostly a non-issue this year, at least in the red zone. Uh, We'll talk about other play calling and usage issues uh, when it comes to Arthur Smith a little bit later in the episode. But speaking of usage, let's talk about target rate. And we look at the numbers and we say, oh, Kyle Pitts disappointed. And, you know, the easy scapegoat just looking at the box score would be like, yeah, well, Kyle Pitts wasn't being used. The Falcons did not integrate him in their offense. And really, that's not a fair way of looking at it because it goes back to a conversation we were having in September when why isn't Kyle Pitts getting more opportunities? And a lot of that is not due to the fact that the Falcons aren't throwing the football. The Falcons are throwing Kyle Pitts the ball quite a bit relative to the opportunities he's getting in passing plays. The main issue was the Falcons just running the football a lot, right? And so you can look at a number like target rate, right, which is basically the number of targets you get for every route that you run. And Kyle Pitts was the most targeted tight end in the league with the highest target rate percentage of 26.5% among tight ends. You compare that to Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey with 25%, Tyler Higby, 24%. You had guys like Pat Fryermuth, TJ Hawkinson, Dalton Schultz that were all between 20 and 22%. All these guys that had over well over 90 targets this past season. And essentially, again, it goes back to the Falcons running the ball too much. And hopefully in 2023, we will see uh, the Falcons get back to more balance. And that's funny because... Of course, when most people are talking about being more balanced, they're talking about running the ball more. And in the Falcons case, it's running the ball less. But when we talk about some interesting stats beyond target rate, you know, some stats that did stand out to me sort of going back uh, through the season is, you know, Kyle Pitts did spend a little bit more time as an inline tight end this year. 32% 32% in 2021 to 39% of the snaps in 2022. Although a lot of that, again, is owed to the fact that the Falcons were running the ball a lot more. Cause when you look at sort of his usage on run versus pass plays, it was roughly the same year to year. So it's again, that increase in inline usage is because the Falcons were just running the ball a little bit more. Another interesting stat is the higher increased percentage of deep throws at Kyle Pitts. Looking at PFF uh, last year, 11% of his targets were over 20 yards in the year. This year it was 25%, right? And you look at how many of those he caught last year to this year. He caught 58% of those deep throws in 2021 and only 7% of those deep throws in 2022. And again, it reverts back to the conversation about making Marcus Mariota and blaming that on Marcus Mariota. And certainly I think Marcus Mariota uh, deserves the, the biggest uh, part of that blame for why that number fell off so dramatically and we're hoping that Desmond Ritter is going to be an upgrade in terms of connecting uh, on those deeper throws although the body of work that Ritter was able to put forth in the last four games of the season did not suggest that he was immediately but there were signs again we're being optimistic we're being positive uh, and saying that there were indications that Desmond Ritter is going to be a much better vertical threat uh, vertical thrower than what uh, Marcus Mario Odo was uh, for most 
of this season. But it goes back to a conversation we had on yesterday's episode when we were breaking down the wide receiver position and talking about the need to add a more vertical uh, threat at that position in that number two role. And that could potentially help Kyle Pitts's production in 2023, because now you take less more of that burden off of Kyle Pitts to be the Falcons primary deep ball uh, receiver, which he was compared to guys like Zacchaeus and, and Drake London. And so you decrease the number of low percentage passes on those deep throws to Kyle Pitts and increase the number of high percentage passes with those short and intermediate routes. And speaking of short and intermediate routes, let's talk about screens, right? According to PFF, 7% of Kyle Pitts' targets this year were screen passes, and you compare that to an in-house player like Michael Pruitt, who had 14%, right? And then you compare that to some of the other high-end usage tight ends like uh, Tyler Higby, 18% of his targets this year, uh, over 100 targets were screens, 17% for Evan Ingram, another guy that had over 100 targets this year. And so this is another way that in seeing an increase in screens and seeing potentially, you know, 14, 15 or more percent of Kyle Pitts' targets next year, being screen passes would be a better way to integrate him in the offense. And it kind of serves two functions, right? Not only are you getting Kyle Pitts more opportunities to make plays and use his unique skill set to be a part of this offense and no longer complaining about we're not giving Kyle Pitts the ball enough, as well as, you know, that could be a contributing factor to, you know, getting Desmond Ritter off to better starts. Like, We saw uh, the Falcons use Michael Pruitt on a screen pass in that Saints game to try to get Ritter into rhythm. That's one of the reasons why Pruitt was often utilized on screen pays. And so that could be a a sort of a double-edged sword in the favor of the Falcons where you kill two birds with one stone, keep mixing my metaphors, but you get Pitts more involved. You also get Ritter, Ritter some more high percentage plays early in games to get him involved in the offense. And so that could be a potential solution, not only to Ritter's, tendency to slow start, but also getting uh, Pitts more involved in some of those opening game scripts. So I would like to see those things for the Falcons. And I'm, you know, despite, you know, a rough year uh, for Kyle Pitts, I'm feeling op- optimistic about where he could be a year from now. And hopefully, you know, when we're doing the tight end reviews a year from now, you know, we're not talking about or complaining nearly as much about Kyle Pitts not being involved in the offense. I'm sure there will be games in 2023 when we're like, we got to get Kyle Pitts the ball over the course of a 17 game schedule that, you know, it seems to be a likelihood. Um, But, you know, I think going into 2023, you know, and we'll see where, you know, the offseason leads the Falcons, but I could certainly imagine a scenario six months from now where one of the biggest question marks lingering over this upcoming 2023 season is, can we get Kyle Pitts to be the dominant impact receiver that we all see the capability of him be, right? And, you know, I think the fortunate thing is we shouldn't have to worry about the in- him coming off an injury. I know I said something the other day on one of these episodes talking about, you know, potentially the lingering thing. At that time, for some reason, I was thinking he had an ACL tear. It's an MCL tear. So that shouldn't be an injury that should limit him uh, when it comes to being healthy for OTAs, being healthy for training camp, and ultimately being healthy for the season. So whoever is the Falcons starting quarterback, whether it's Desmond Ritter or somebody else, Kyle Pitts should be able to build that rapport over the course of the spring and summer to have him have, you know, that rebound, breakout, whatever you want to call it, season in 2023. And so we're hoping, right, you know, that this is no longer a talking point where we're like, how do we get Kyle Pitts more involved? How do we make Kyle Pitts into the unicorn of the tight end uh, that we all know he's capable of being? And so hoping uh, we'll see uh, that come to fruition in 2023. So we'll try to leave out uh, that Kyle Pitts conversation on that optimistic note and continue the positivity train here, breaking down this tight end position, talking about the emergence of Parker Hesse and Michael Pruitt in their various roles this past year and why Parker Hesse 
might be the biggest reason for the Falcons improved running game. And we'll talk all about, you know, the true unicorn in this offense, which is of course, Michael Pruitt, as we continue today's episode. I want to tell you guys about today's sponsor, the mobile game, the ultimate football GM. And if you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, well, your dream has now come true. And this is definitely the game for you. You can manage every strategic aspect of your team, right? Where they're hiring or firing coordinators and coaches, trading, signing, drafting players. And this game is challenging. It's realistic. Uh, some of the people in the discord that have already played the game have shared some of their stories of success and failures, uh, trying to rebuild their various teams in the game. So go out there, prove how much more knowledgeable that you are than your friends, and you will get a 100% free boost to your franchise by using our promo code locked on L O C K E D O N in all caps in the game store. Again, that's promo code locked on. You can download the game by just visiting ultimate gm.com or look it up in your various app stores. That's ultimate gm.com ultimate football GM start your dynasty today. So, guys, I want to thank you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. And for your second listen, check out the Locked On NFL podcast to get the daily conversations on the biggest stories around the NFL. And, of course, this week, these guys are gearing you up for these conference championship games, coaching changes, coordinator changes, all that stuff. we got a looming quarterback carousel that requires conversation. So make sure you check it all out on the Locked On NFL podcast available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So, guys, when we talk about uh, lingering questions uh, about the Falcons starting tight end, we don't have questions about the Falcons depth. Right. It's all positivity. Right. When it comes to that. Uh, And it starts with Parker Hesse, who's blocking, in my opinion, was, you know, a breath of fresh air. Incredible, you could say. And I think you can make an argument and I'll proceed to try to make an argument that if you wanted to sort of reduce uh, the Falcons' big improvement in their run game, going from a bottom five unit to a top five unit, running the football this, from 2021 to 2022, if you wanted to reduce it to one player, you could make an argument that's Parker Hesse. Now, I don't have a stat that that shows you uh, that that is the case, right? You know, you look at various stats like football outsiders adjusted line yards. You know, the stats would suggest that actually Jake Matthews and his improvement this year um, is you know, the biggest factor in why the Falcons running game improved. But that will be a conversation that we'll have at a later date. Um, but at least a film based argument, watching the eye in the sky, which never lies. Right? And, you know, I don't lie uh, when it comes uh, to the film stuff. But, you know, I, I do feel like given that the bread and butter of the Falcons outside zone scheme is that stretch play, you do you need to have a tight end that can block effectively on the edge, hold the point of attack, make those backside blocks that open up those cutback lanes, all that stuff and more. And Parker Hesse really was the guy that really executed that at a high level. We, we know we had a quality blocker in Lee Smith last year. Um, and I think Parker Hesse was even better this year, even if the PFF grades don't quite agree with that. Uh, on that front. So when I watch the film and, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, this is maybe another instance uh, of where I'm going to call out PFF and say, your grades are wrong. Um, But, you know, I don't recall too many instances this past year where I felt like, oh man, Parker Hesse blew that block or Parker Hesse lost at the point of attack this past year going through the film. But, um, you know, I I think that's a real strong case for why Parker Hesse not only, uh, you know, brings that value as a run blocker, as an inline tight end, and being pivotal to the Falcons scheme. But, you know, he also showed the versatility of being a, a high level fullback when the Falcons would line him up 
in the backfield. Uh, according to PFF, they lined him up 15% of his snaps in the backfield. And we talked about this when we broke down the running backs uh, earlier this week where, you know, I think the Falcons may be moving on from Keith Smith as the fullback this offseason. And they already have a pretty solid in-house candidate in Parker Hesse, who I would argue was a much better lead blocker, at least for my film study this past year, than Keith Smith was uh, over the course of the season. And the great thing about Parker Hesse, even though he's going to be like 27 or 28 this year, you know, he's you know, been spending most of his career on the practice squad. And so he's only going to be an exclusive rights free agent at the end uh, in this coming off season, which means next year after next year, he'll be a restricted free agent. And then only after the 2024 season will be he uh, an unrestricted free agent. So he's basically a cost control player for the next two years. So the Falcons are going to get a really high value role player for, you know, rock bottom prices. Um, And, you know, I think we're in a position where if he has another good season in 2023, instead of, you know, giving him a restricted free agent tender come 2024's offseason, a year from now, I could see the Falcons trying to extend him uh, to a long-term deal because of his value as that blocker if he can continue on this pace. And speaking of extensions, we got to talk about how Michael Pruitt has earned a new contract. And we joke about Michael Pruitt being this unicorn, largely due to the fact that it seemed like the Falcons were scheming more stuff for him than they were necessarily scheming for Kyle Pitts. And we saw the screens, as I mentioned earlier. We saw the tight end leaks and stuff. We saw the fact that Michael Pruitt was more targeted in the red zone than Kyle Pitts this year. Pruitt had eight red zone targets this year to Pitts' is five, right? And, you know, we're sitting here going like, you know, can we give uh, Kyle Pitts these opportunities, Arthur? You know, can, can, can we can we scheme some of this stuff up, you know, just put, you know, uh, number eight on that instead of 85? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. But, you know, I, I do think in, in defense of Arthur Smith, some of that is owed to the fact that because Michael Pruitt is not quite on the same level, despite our jokes, uh, as Kyle Pitts, you do have to kind of work harder to scheme stuff for him if he's your starting tight end, as opposed to Kyle Pitts, where you can just start and do whatever you want to do, Kyle Pitts. But, you know, I think it's a testament to Pruitt's strong play, right? You know, he's not Kyle Pitts, but, you know, he kind of was in a lot of ways. Uh, KP light for this Falcon team, you know, uh, you know, less filling unicorn beer, uh, you know, with the same great taste. So, you know, I think that was something that the Falcons definitely needed when Pitts was out with an injury, someone that can come and provide some of those explosive plays off of the play action, some of the red zone stuff, you know, all that stuff that Michael Pruitt showed in the back half of the season, the Falcons absolutely needed that. And it's a testament to Michael Pruitt stepping up, not to mention uh, his contributions as a run blocker. That's been primarily what he's done throughout his career. And he was solid in that capacity, not quite as good as Parker Hesse, if you ask me, um, but certainly very good and a solid contributor in that capacity throughout the season. And I think that's going to lead to him as an impending free agent to get a new contract from the Falcons. He'll be 31 this year. So he's getting up there in age. Um, So he's probably not going to get necessarily a super long-term deal, but I certainly think he's due for a raise from the veteran minimum that he made uh, this past year. I know the Titans back in 2020 gave him a one-year $2.5 billion deal uh, back then. And I say, you know, if the Falcons are feeling frisky, why not double that and maybe potentially give him a two-year $5 million deal? So the same average, but over multiple seasons. And I feel like that's a fair price to pay for a potential unicorn. So hopefully... You know, the Falcons can secure Michael Pruitt for at least another year. And that probably means that their depth at the tight end position is going to be solid. But we got more players that can provide depth that we're going to discuss on today's episode, like John Fitzpatrick, Anthony Ferkser, and perhaps the next unicorn and Felipe Franks. And we'll also talk about the possibility that the Falcons could be looking to add even more talent to this tight end room this offseason. Uh, 
But I want to tell you about FanDuel, our new sports betting partner here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, because they're the number one sports book in America, number one podcast, number one sports book coming together. And if you're new to FanDuel like us at the Lockdown Network, that's even better because they have so many great features. It's going to make sports betting fun and easy this year because news customers, if they join today, can get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. All you got to do is sign up at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Again, $5 and you're getting $150 in free bets. And you can make that first $5 bet for some of the games this weekend in the conference championship where the Eagles are two and a half point favorites over the 49ers and the Bengals are one and a half point favorites over the Chiefs. We talked about that line opening up with the Chiefs being one and a half point favorites, moving in the Bengals favor, probably due to the Mahomes injury. Maybe that line continues to move. So go throw your first $5 bet over at FanDuel. Don't miss out uh, and get that $150 in free bets, win or lose at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So wrapping up today's Locked on Falcons, guys, let's talk a little bit about Anthony Ferkser. And while we just finished talking about how Michael Pruitt and Parker Hesse shine this past year, Ferkser disappointed. And I think we all, or my, I certainly can speak for myself, thought Ferkser would be a bigger part of the Falcons offense this year um, going into the season. And I think some of that, again, is owed to the fact that the Falcons were so run heavy this year. And, and Ferkser has never been a great blocker. Uh, he's always been a pass catcher first. And I think that led in part to the emergences of guys like Hesse and Pruitt that were more valuable on a run first team than a guy like uh, Ferkser. Now, I think, you know, that's a downside for Ferkser in 2022, but I think there's potentially some upside for Ferkser in 2023 based off of that same reason, which is you might be able to get him for a cheap, cheap veteran minimum contract for a second year in a row. Right. Where, you know, the market isn't going to necessarily be great for a pass catcher that only caught nine passes this past year. And so I think having a player like Ferkser makes a ton of sense for the Falcons, because, you know, even though Michael Pruitt stepped up this past year, having another pass catcher in the event of a, another injury to Kyle Pitts or whatever is valuable. Someone that can go out there and win one on one. Right. Where Pruitt, you're going to have to scheme stuff for him. Ferkser, you can just go out there and ask him to beat linebackers and safeties and he can do a decent job. Right. And I think certainly for a team that's hoping to be more balanced, being able to throw the ball more in 2023, that makes a ton of sense. So Ferkser could offer more value to the 2023 Falcons than he did the 2022 Falcons. Now, speaking of finding another pass catcher, if that is not Anthony Ferkser and the Falcons decide to move on, you know, they do have an in-house candidate in Felipe Franks. Right. And we know that 2022, similar to Ferkser, was not a great season for Franks. Um, but, you know, to Franks's uh, credit, you know, it, it was his first year at the position, right? And, you know, he wasn't even fully committed to making the transition from uh, quarterback to tight end because we still had to have him dabble as at quarterback in various practices over the summer. And now one imagines with Desmond Ritter, with Logan Woodside, and presumably another uh, addition that the Falcons will make at the quarterback position this offseason, you can now fully commit Franks uh, to making that full-time transition to the tight end position. And hopefully you will see progress in him. And I think it is worthwhile for the Falcons to continue to see what they can get out of Felipe Franks by developing him. You know, I would say he's a low risk, medium reward type of player by continuing that development. And that reward comes from the fact that Franks is a very athletic specimen. He's in fact, very 
comparable athletically to Kyle Pitts. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be Kyle Pitts, but you find a 6'6", 240-pound tight end with 7-foot wingspan that can run a 4'6", most teams are going to be drooling at that type of prospect, right? That's basically what Jelani Woods was, the Colts' third-round pick this past year, and the second tight end off the board in the 2022 draft was a similar type of prospect on paper. And so I feel like, again, if you can develop Franks to be more than what he was this past year, if you you don't need to get him to be a starting tight end. You just kind of need to get him to be a capable number two tight end in the same vein as Anthony Ferkser. And if you do that, that's a huge win for the Falcons in terms of their development moving forward. Now, someone that I don't necessarily see that type of upside in terms of pass catching is John Fitzpatrick. But Fitzpatrick was you know, brought in here to be a blocking tight end. And of course he spent most of the season injured, you know, dealing with some injuries late in, in, in his time at Georgia. And so that limited him this summer. So we didn't really get to see much of John Fitzpatrick, but hopefully he'll be healthy uh, this summer and we'll be able to contribute. Now, obviously because of the emergence of guys like Hesse and Pruitt, you know, we don't necessarily know if we'll see a, a huge role for John Fitzpatrick, uh, moving forward. But, you know, I feel like he does add something to this team and exactly what remains to be seen, uh, because it goes back to last summer when we were discussing, you know, at the time thinking, OK, the Falcons may keep one of these guys between John Fitzpatrick and Parker Hesse on their 53 man roster. And we were talking about how Hesse was probably the more proven inline blocker and Fitzpatrick was maybe a better suited to be that H back, that guy that blocks in space, because that's primarily how Georgia used him, where he was much more effective blocking in space because Darnell Washington who's going to be probably be a high pick in this upcoming draft was more their inline blocking tight end uh, a year ago. And so like that may apply to this conversation that we're having about the potential changes at the fullback position where maybe Fitzpatrick, uh, if the Falcons want to keep Hesse as that inline guy, uh, maybe Fitzpatrick could be part of that competition to take over for Keith Smith. Or if the Falcons decide, no, Hesse's our best option as that lead blocker out of the backfield. Well, guess what? You potentially have a ready-made replacement on that inline blocker in John Fitzpatrick. So I certainly think there will be an opportunity for John Fitzpatrick to certainly contribute a lot more in 2023 than he did in 2022. But I think the, the benefit of having as much as, you know, guys like Hesse and Pruitt, you know, you can kind of slow play his development. He doesn't have to necessarily come out right away and carve out a role. So the Falcons can kind of slow play his development, similar to what they're doing with Felipe Franks as a pass catcher uh, with Fitzpatrick as a blocker. Now, you know, if the Falcons aren't, you know, big fans of the three F's in Ferkser, Franks, and Fitzpatrick, you know, they could look to add another tight end to this position. Of course, they could decide to get a fourth F in a free agent. Uh, and, you know, some of the guys that you could sit there and say, you know, that makes a ton of sense where you could go after uh, O.J. Howard or an Herb Smith and, and maybe get a starting caliber, uh, you know, number two tight end, you know, for a, a bargain. And that would be, you know, a potential upgrade over going out there and re-signing guys like Ferks or, or Pruitt or something like that. But it does feel like the draft seems a more probable outlet for the Falcons if they do want to add uh, more talent at this tight end position. Because by all accounts that I've heard, this is going to be a, considered to be a very strong tight end class, right? I've only really sat down and watched like the top five or so guys. Um, but, you know, a lot of people think that there are, you know, several more talented tight ends that in a normal draft, um, you know, 
I think over the last decade, on average, you've had maybe like on average five tight ends taken in the first three rounds. And maybe according to some people, it sounds like there could be eight or nine guys. And again, I, I can't confirm or deny that because I haven't really gotten to those guys. But if that's true, you know, I wouldn't be mad at the Falcons using a day two pick on a tight end. Someone like a Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State or a Darnell Washington out of Georgia or a Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State or maybe one of these other guys uh, that I have yet to really sit down and watch um, and probably will at some point between now and April. But, you know, the benefit of if this is a tight end heavy draft class and you do see, you know, eight or nine guys uh, taken in the top, you know, three rounds, uh, you know, more than the usual norm of five, you know, that means that there's a couple of guys that normally would be a third round pick that may get pushed down into the fourth round at other positions, right? And with the Falcons having, I think, two picks in the first uh, 10, 12 uh, picks in the fourth round, you know, you could get potentially a third round talent at another position uh, if this tight end class is particularly strong. Not to mention, if we only see, say, five or six tight ends go in the first three rounds, uh, but that may lead, you know, two or three guys with th- third round grades uh, in a normal draft uh, being pushed into the fourth round. And that would be a relative bargain uh, for a team like Atlanta with two fourth round picks to be able to say, look, let's go best player available, you know, forget need. And let's just get a really talented tight end, you know, at the top of round four or at another point in the draft. And, you know, again, I know a lot of people would be like, oh, we don't need that. We need other things. Right. But like you got to think, again, best player available is not about, you know, getting the maximum need for what you need in 2023. It's about building towards, you know, say 2025. Right. Where you're going to be in a position then where you may be needing to make a choice to pay Kyle Pitts a whole butt ton of money. Right. That's the official technical term, butt ton, uh, which is, you know, potentially 20. $25 $25 million. Who knows at that point in time what you know the price tag for a unicorn tight end is going to be. Probably a lot more than what the Falcons are going to be paying for Michael Pruitt this offseason. And so if you have another option there, maybe you decide to let Kyle Pitts go. But more importantly, right, rather than talking about replacing Kyle Pitts, what about combining with Kyle Pitts, where now all of a sudden, 2025, hopefully with the Falcons rebuild going, continuing to grow in that next direction, and the Falcons are being a playoff team, potentially a team pushing to make a deep run in the postseason, Super Bowl, who knows? And all of a sudden, you're looking at what's the thing that makes the Falcons special? Well, it's having this unicorn of a tight end in Kyle Pitts that's worth $25 million, and also that number two tight end, that is, you know, would be a starter on most other NFL teams, but because of the presence of Kyle Pitts is a backup here in Atlanta. And all of a sudden, the Falcons become this dominant mismatch team with these two elite tight ends or whatever the case may be, because they went out and drafted the next Dalton Schultz, the next Dawson Knox, or dare I say the next George Kittle, all guys that were third, fourth and fifth round players, because this was a they took advantage of a, you know, quality tight end class and went best player available rather than just simply settling for need and drafting a guy that could be that type of superstar that you want to combine with Kyle Pitts. And all of a sudden the Falcons, you know, have two unicorns or or whatever, a unicorn and a unicorn pony I, I don't know you you get what i'm saying guys and so like that's the thing you got to think about right you can sit here and say we don't need it we don't need it but i sit here and i go i kind of want it though so that is something that the falcons have to explore again not s- saying that the falcons should or could or will or whatever just saying you got to be open-minded about these pop possibilities so that's going to be a continued theme when we break down a lot of these positions this year guys where we're talking about could they add more sure because the Falcons need as much talent 
as they can get because they're rebuilding, hoping to build a championship caliber teams. So you got to keep your eye on the prize long term. You know, what's going to help this team win Super Bowls in 2025 as opposed to what is exactly they need in 2023. That's at least my philosophy. So hopefully some of you guys have the same and share the same vision. Uh, but we'll see about that as we continue breaking down these offensive position groups. Maybe we'll do the offensive line. Uh, tomorrow, maybe we'll be talking about a defensive coordinator hire. We're just kind of waiting uh, and we'll just sort of <laughs> fill the time breaking down these positions. I think uh, we'll have Jarvis on uh, to wrap up the week uh, and have him join back on and he'll probably touch upon, uh, you know, DC stuff uh, or whatever. So hopefully we'll, we'll have something interesting to talk about with Jarvis uh, by the end of the week, but that's the plan uh, in the short term guys. And of course, next week you will see a lot of Jarvis here on Lockdown Falcons because both he and I will be down uh, in mobile uh, to watch these senior bowl players. But we might see, I think, Luke Musgrave is headed to the senior bowl and maybe a couple other guys in this tight end class uh, that may be on the Falcons radar. So that will be what you look forward to. So make sure you check out Lockdown Falcons as your first listen. And for your second listen, of course, check out Lockdown NFL, Lockdown Sports Atlanta, where you can find Jarvis on ATL Day 1s, as well as Lockdown Braves, Lockdown Bulldogs, Lockdown Hawks, all on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.